It's great. I'm excited. Who, who's excited today? All right. Well, if you're not, I'm believing that you're going to be by the time you leave here. So, and, and it's a-okay. So, I get to introduce our guest speaker today, which I'm excited. Yeah, right? Y'all don't even know who it is, and you're clapping. So, you just pipe down over there. Listen. So, this, this guy, I, I get the, the privilege to, uh, to golf with occasionally as well. And like the video, I don't have a picture loaded up. I know he was waiting for one, but he likes to talk in the third person. Dang it. Dang it, Jay. Come on. And I love it. I'm the guy that, like, I'm the worst person to golf with if you take it super serious because I just, I love to laugh. So when, when you hit it in the woods or you make a bad shot, I'm just all, like, I'm like, yes. Thank God. But, no. <laughs> But no, I do. I wanna, I wanna welcome Jay up. Uh, we're excited to have you, bro. Looking forward to hearing the message. So everyone, give Jay a hand as he's come up. I don't have a video, bro. I, I was going to, but I figured it'd be a little awkward. Need that. like Michael Scott. I'm just going to keep saying it until I lose it. It's going to happen. Yep. 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 Boom. We have a winner. Well, good morning, everybody, again. It's been a while, so hopefully it's like riding a bike a little bit. I can just hop back on, but it's good to see everybody. It's good to see a lot of smiling faces. Everyone's so quiet. Why are you so quiet? Why is everyone so quiet? Is it the weather? Is it... Is it the weather? Everyone's down because of the weather. Did Phil say something to somebody on the way in? I mean, did you offend somebody? Phil's not here, so. All right. Well, first of all, I want to thank Pastor Fred and Pastor Seth for uh, giving me the opportunity to come up here today. So thank you all. Pastor Fred, hope you're having a marvelous, wonderful trip down south. Uh, Thank you for my family for being here. I got my beautiful wife here, Christine. I got Austin somewhere. Father-in-law George is here. My mother is here. And my Aunt Carol is here. So a little family reunion. So thank you all for coming. I love you all. So, uh, so Fred and Seth have both been doing a marvelous uh, series on royalty. If you've missed any parts of it, uh, I highly suggest you go back, watch through. There's so many good nuggets each week, um, something to pick up on, something to carry. Uh, every time they speak, I think it's just, it's enlightening. It's very, it's challenging. It could challenge you to be different, could challenge you to walk different, talk different, act different, uh, just be different. And so hopefully I can just continue right into that flow this morning and I'm going to talk about royalty as well, and I'm going to talk about putting on your new royal clothing, clothe yourselves in royalty. Um, so that's the topic, and what I want to do is kind of do a comparison to 
the Old Testament priesthood flowing into now we have the New Testament priesthood. Um, so in the Old Testament, first of all, yeah, I want to drive a point home because I know this has been touched on, but I think sometimes we as human beings and we, we're very uh, we tend to be very negative thinkers. We tend to be very uh, condescending on ourselves. I'm not talking, well, on each other too, but uh, we don't think highly of ourselves a lot. Am I right? A lot of people, talk, you talk yourself down, well, I'm not this, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. But the fact of the matter is, if you believe this word, what it says, well, then that should trump what your feelings are, what your emotions are, because that word is truth. Your feelings can get twisted. Your thoughts on yourself can get all jumbled up. So it's sometimes you need to step back and say, okay, I feel like this about myself. But God, what do you say that I am? How do you define me? Because that's what's more important. And the song that they sang this morning, I am who I, or uh, what's the title of the song? Whitney, help me out. Where's Whitney? Uh, who you say I am. That's the name of the song, I think, right? Um, so first slide, I want to just remind you just to let this word sink in. Um, it's in 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. I'm also like Pastor Fred. I love the sounds of the. So it's nice to have the Bibles in. Pick it up in verse 4. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. And again, don't get caught up on some verbiage. Your priestesses, if you want to say there too, okay? This is mankind. This is us, all of us. Priests, priestesses. Through the uh, mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. That last verse get cut out. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor that God has given him, but someone got it? I didn't realize the slide got like, no, it should be seven, but just the rest of seven. Yes. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus is a cornerstone. Now, next slide. We'll go into verse eight through ten. That's good. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you receive no mercy, now you have received mercy. So if, if at any point this week, I encourage you, if you get defeated down yourself, you feel uh, you failed, you, you've let God down, you just totally having a self-pity party, go to 1 Peter 2.4.10, read that over and over, remind yourself, this is who I am. This is who God says I am. 
And if God says it, I should believe it, right? Because God's opinion of you matters much more than your opinion of you. Next slide. And just one more just to kind of pound it home in Revelation 1, 5, and 6. And from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for making us priests. He has made us priests. His sacrifice made you a priest. Nothing you've done, nothing you've done to earn it, nothing you've done to say, okay, I, I've now achieved this status. It's not your works. It's not anything that you can say, look at your neighbor and say, oh, I did this, so I'm a priest. It's what he did. And by you saying, okay, I put faith in you, Jesus, for what you did, congratulations. You've, it's, it's, that's better than any college course you ever take. That's not a six-year degree. That's not an eight-year degree. That's not four years of college. That's simply saying, Lord, I trust in you and believe in you. You're a priest. Stamp. Bam. It's on you. However, it does come with some expectations. It comes with some obligations. It comes with some, uh, you know, demands. He doesn't want you to say, okay, I'm a priest, now walk around with my royal hat on, and everyone look at me, and look what I've done, and this is who I am, and ha-ha, you know, like, that's not it. So I want to start in the Old Testament. You can go to the next slide. Now, obviously, that's a lot of scripture, and I wasn't going to start blasting uh, 200 slides. But if you want to, to bookmark those scriptures, what it meant to be a priest in the Old Testament. So God comes to Moses, and he says, I'm just going to try to take this little synopsis, and says, I want you to take Aaron and his sons, and I'm going to clothe them, and I'm going to make them the priests. And so, this talks about all their, like, this isn't just all of it. That's just some of the highlights I marked. Um, and some of the things that they do as priests. And a lot of it was simply, like, the biggest one was that you, as a priest, you were in charge of going into the Holy of Holies, and God, the presence of God, and offering the sacrifice for the people. So the people would come to you, the priest, and say, here's my offering, here's my sacrifice, you would therefore take it in before the Lord, and you would go in in God's presence and say, okay, Lord, I'm lifting up this uh, offering to cleanse the people. So the priest was to judge the sacrifice. So if you came in, if you're supposed to bring, let's say, a ram, and you brought in a ram that was like, it was nasty, or it had all, it walked with a limp, or it had all messed up, the priest would say, that's not good enough. Bring me back your best ram. That one's not good enough. And then he would also, he was in charge of, and it's, it's very, it's, it's sometimes hard to read, but like he's sprinkling blood, doing stuff with the blood of the animal. And you're thinking like, I don't want to handle all that blood. But back then, just think, that was, that was normal. That was just a normal thing that the priest did. It wasn't like some weird concept. So I want you to think of, of just present times. Imagine Seth. Seth's still here? 
Okay. Imagine, Seth, during offering, you sat here on a chair, and we did offering time, and each, each person, when they walked up with their envelope, you had to inspect it and say, well, that's not good enough. What's this? Nope, sorry. Try again. But thankfully, in our new covenant, it says, give with a cheerful heart. It's, that's, all, that's all God says. Give with a cheerful heart. No one's inspecting your offering. No one's inspecting what you're giving. No one's holding you to a standard of, you know, like, oh, I want your best. I know what you do for a living. If it's not four figures in that offering, we don't have that obligation anymore. Aaron had it tough. The, the, the offering that he, when he went before the Lord, but think about this is our, our new covenant as priests and priestesses. We now have the opportunity to go before God and intercede for people. In a, in a roundabout way, that's what they were doing. And to break that down, just think back then, no one could go into the holy place except for the priest. You couldn't just walk in there, yeah, and once a year. You couldn't just walk in there. You'd die, dead. But when Jesus died, and you read in Scripture, he tore that veil that separated, kept us from, from entering God's presence. That veil's torn. Now, in Hebrews it says, we enter the throne room with confidence, boldness, thanksgiving. We come right before God. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through certain channels. We don't have to offer up this certain sacrifice just to be, like, cleansed first. But God says, you come before me, just tell me, confess your sins. Come right before me. And I'm here listening. That's our new, and we can do that for anybody. That's the beauty of intercession is that when someone comes to you with their struggle, their trouble, everything they're going through, you, in your office, can go before God and say, God, I lift up so-and-so in prayer. I speak healing over them. I speak blessing over them. I speak peace over them. Everything. That's now your role as priest. You can go to the most holy place anytime, anywhere. And I think a lot of the times a weapon we don't use, and it's in, it's in Leviticus... Uh, I didn't write my notes down very well. Actually, I think it's in Leviticus 17. I didn't even put that up there. But Leviticus 17 talks about the sprinkling of the blood. Scripture says that blood, Jesus' blood, is what washes us clean. How often do you apply the blood? How often do you say, I wash something in the blood? It's symbolic. You don't have to actually get any blood on you. You don't have to actually, but you're just applying Jesus' blood to whatever situation it is. Matter of fact, when you do the when you do uh, um, communion, thank you. What are you doing? You're drinking the cup, which symbolizes Jesus' blood. So, as a priest, priestess, you should be using that that's powerful tool, man, to wash something in the blood. When you when you're witnessing to somebody, you're talking to a non-believer, you're talking to somebody that really doesn't go to church or struggling, whatever. It sounds, they might take it weird. They might be like, oof. But if you say, man, Jesus' blood took care of all your mess. 
Jesus' blood washes you clean. Jesus' blood took care of all your mess. Now, they might, they might struggle to receive it. They might struggle thinking like, wait, some blood did that? Yep. And you can show them in Scripture. Take them to Leviticus 17. Say, this is what the old priest did. I now walk in a priest. I now walk in the office of a priest. Now, again, that's someone that's new is probably going to be like, man, you're crazy. But, like, I'm telling you, though, in the spirit realm, what you're doing. In the spirit realm, you're changing someone's life. All right, next slide. I just touched on a little bit of this, but what does it mean to be a priest? Well, you get to deal with people's junk. I didn't know how else to word it kindly, but, you know. I mean, you think about the old Aaron. I mean, like, people are bringing him animals. He has to kill them. They have to sprinkle blood. He, you know, people are coming in saying, I, I did this much sin. Here's, I had to bring, like, seven animals. And... But Aaron dealt with atonement, judging, cleansing. And now that's what we get. Think about the, I wonder way to take a moment and think the first time in your life that you really had the revelation that your sins were forgiven. There was probably a first-time moment, I'm sure, for everybody in here that said first-time thought, really? That's really true? Like, everything I've done is forgiven? Like, God really is going to, like, God's really going to forgive me and cleanse me of all that? Yep. And a lot of times it was probably a struggle to really believe it. It was a struggle. Like, I don't know, man. God's got this holy standard, and I'm I'm a mess. But it's the truth, and think that's what you have to offer somebody. That's what you have to offer and say to somebody, God forgives you of all your sins. I don't care if you're 8 years old, 18, 28, 68, 88. God forgives you of all your sin. And as a priest, now you have that in you to offer to somebody. And that's what atonement is. Atonement basically means you're restored back to God, that God did the work for you. God sent Jesus to die for you. And that's what you have to offer somebody. So judging, believe it or not, even though it's a very popular 2023 thing to say is you're a Christian, judger, who are you to judge? And I know most people in here have heard it, but the word actually says as Christians we are to judge each other. Each other. We're to hold each other accountable. And it's a very tightrope and a tough line sometimes, but if we know each other is doing something that's not, and again, again, let me emphasize this, something, I'm not saying it's, if it's not right in your eyes, it's not right in these eyes. Let's remember that. When we say to each other something's not right, don't back it up with, I'm telling you it's not right. No, the word says it's not right. This word says it's not right. And I know it's, it's, it's very unpopular these days, we get, but we should expect that. The world's not going to agree with us. The world's not going to like us. And the cleansing, again, to get, to, to get that opportunity to pray with somebody and say, the Lord forgives you. He blesses you. He wants to put favor upon you. He wants to pour out on you. He wants to put a spirit in you. He wants to just do so many things through you. You get to offer that to somebody. 
Think about you the first time you, you thought, really, I have purpose? Wait, God wants to use me for something? Yeah, yeah, he really, really does. And again, it doesn't matter how young, how old, you can step right into that thing and take off. Don't worry about your age or your background or, your, again, your, your education, your, all this. Eliminate all that. God wants to take you right where you're at, clean you up, and spit you right back and right into some purpose. Next slide. All right, so this is, in the Old Testament, how do we recognize the priest? And I, I have an article. I was going to... Don't tell me the battery died. And it didn't. But it is fixed it right up. In the Old Testament, Aaron had to wear certain garments. He had to wear all kinds. I mean, it was very specific, and it was very, very, we're talking about gold. We're talking about all kinds of stones. It was absolutely breathtaking, I'm sure. And I just want to read parts of this. Uh, I didn't want to steal. It's from Got Questions. I don't know if anybody ever uses Got Questions, but really, really good. Exodus 28 contains a detailed description of the garments God commanded to be made and worn by the priest. These were sacred garments to bestow Aaron and his sons with dignity and honor. And obviously for these garments, it was like it was showing everybody. Everyone would see that's the priest. Those are the priests. Look at those outfits. They stood out. I mean, they looked like no one else. And so no one had any questions when they got around the, the priest. It was holy. It was like... Now, and I want you to think about that, too, comparing us to nowadays. How many of you here you can say that sometimes people around you, they act different when they're around you? How many times people apologize for saying a cuss word in front of you? And, you're, and I, I'm always funny because I'm always like, why do you apologize? I love doing this. Why do you apologize? Well, because you're, you're a Christian. I don't want to give it. Are you worried about offending me? Is, is that really what you think is bothering you? Really what you're doing is offending him. That's why you feel guilty. And sometimes they get, you know, but I, I think sometimes it makes people think. You know, why do, I feel, why do I feel guilty when I say a bad word in front of you? And I just want them to think, you're not offending me, brother or sister. You're offending him. That's why you feel guilty. That's why you feel the need to apologize. That's conviction. So God wanted Aaron to wear the breastplate of decision to symbolize that the high priest represented the people before God. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart as a continuing memorial before the Lord. That's Exodus 28, 29. It was called the breastplate of decision because the Urim and Thummim, which were associated with the breastplate, were used to determine God's will in various matters. So again, that breastplate he wore in with the, the names of Israel on there, and it just represented them before God. That's the same thing, like I said earlier, with you do. You go in before God's presence, you're taking in you know, people you pray for, situations you're praying for, uh, your family, your loved ones, your co-worker, whatever it is, you're, you're, you're taking that in before the Lord, praying with them. The turban was plain white with a gold plate placed the forehead. On the plate was inscribed the words, Holy to the Lord. This gold plate will be on Aaron's forehead continually 
that the children of Israel will be accepted to the Lord. This reminder of consecration placed so conspicuously on the outfit symbolized the importance of the approaching the Lord God in holiness. Just imagine, like, I wish, I'm sure that you could probably find it, like, a, like someone's reenacted kind of that outfit just to see what it would look like as a priest walking in. Um, then the last part, all the garments worn by the Old Testament priests were symbolic of being set apart for God's work of atoning for sin. I'm going to read that again. All the garments worn by the Old Testament priests were symbolic of being set apart for God's work of atoning for sin. That was the whole purpose of this. This is the whole, what God's trying to do is the whole purpose is I'm trying to get your sins atoned for. Compliance with the dress code was required. This is noted in verse 43. Aaron and his sons must wear the garments whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister to the holy place. They will not incur guilt and die. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure uh, on Aaron to do a lot of things. So it talks about the end about why, you know, these garments seem odd today, but I mean, when God gives you the word and says this is what you're to do, and what thankfully with the Jewish people, they did, if God said it, they did it. If God said to Moses, do this, they did it. Like nowadays, God says do it, and we kind of go, I don't know, maybe. Maybe. Let me think about it. Let me pray on it. God's telling you to do something, you're like, let me pray on it. Never mind. Down the rabbit hole. All right, so those are the old school, Old Testament garments. Aaron's wearing this, this immaculate gold onyx, all these stones planted, breastplate, robe, hat. I mean, it's just stood out like no other. So everyone you walked in the room, you could look and see, that's the priest. Man, look at that outfit. That's the priest. Okay, now, next slide. We go to the New Testament. How do we recognize priests in today's world? How do we get recognized as priests, priestesses? Is it because we wear elaborate outfits? No. No one's going to go around with some gold-plated breastplate, robe. I mean, if you want to, I mean, Seth did it a couple weeks ago. He put the gold or purple robe on. I mean, have it your way, bro, right? But if we jump to Colossians 3, You know, and it's funny, when I first, I'm just sharing this, so when I first got into reading the Bible, when I very first was like saved and starting to read, I didn't like reading Colossians because it challenged me too much. Just being transparent. I read it going like, man, that's a hard book to read, man, because it's, it's putting these expectations on me, and I'm supposed to be doing these things I don't want to do. Like, that's how I felt. And now I read it, and I go, wow, this is like the... It's like the go-to for how to live your life. It really is. It's like really, and it's a short book. It's only four chapters. And uh, I'm telling you, like, if you, if you want to do a nice little, doesn't take too long to study, do Colossians. Do the book of Colossians. Get yourself a study Bible and read Colossians because it's very, very, it's powerful. Um, and I think I started in verse, which one did I start on? Ten? Yes. Okay. Now, right before this, I was going to do all of uh, chapter 3, 
But right before this in Colossians 3, it talks about all the stuff you're supposed to put off and not do. But I didn't want to focus there. Because when you put on the new self, all that old stuff, you're not even going to think about it. It's gone. You don't have to worry about putting that off. You don't have to worry about not doing it. Because when you're focused on what God's telling you to do and where God's calling you to do, you're not going to worry about the stuff you're not supposed to do. It's no longer an issue. You're not going to think about that old self. The problem is a lot of times is you tell somebody, hey, you're a new creation, it's the new you, and they go, really? And they start believing it, but they go, it's like Lot's wife. You just keep wanting to look back. And all you're telling yourself, well, I'm not them anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that person anymore. God's like, I don't want you to worry about not being that person. I want you to be the new person. Stop worrying about the old person. I've said this a lot from, from this platform, but like when, you're, when your focus is just not sinning, you're not doing what God called you to do. If you're just sitting there going like, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin, that's not what God wants. Your focus is still on the sin. Focus on the new you, where you're going, because then that, you're not even going to think about that. That's why it's so important, I think, to surround yourself with like-minded people and God-fearing people, because they're going to pull you and keep pulling on you and keep pulling on you and keep pulling on you. And all of a sudden, you're following them. And all of a sudden, a few months goes by, and you're like, man, I haven't even thought about the, the past. I haven't even thought about that old self. That's why as priests and priestesses, it's important to get people like that and just keep, keep mentoring them, keep pulling on them, keep loving on them, keep encouraging them, keep bringing them forward, keep bringing them forward. Don't just pray with them one time and be like, they're good. Like, keep working with them. Keep pulling them. And again, if they fall back once, go pull them back out and bring them on. We had a... Christine loves telling the story, and it's a great story, but one time we get to go preach at a church, and we did a, we were praying for people at the end, and this woman jumps up and says, I was a prostitute in a crack house in New York City. And her husband was with her, and he said he went right in that crack house and drug her right out of it. Had to fight a couple guys, but literally went in after and got her. I thought, wow, it was, trust me, just saying that part doesn't do the story justice, but. But that's what he said he did. He went right in after her in this crack house, drug her right out, and got her, and saved her. And now they're married, doing gospel music. Insane. Um. <laughs> All right, so as we're reading this, I want you to, to really, really receive this because this is what God is saying to put on. Just like he told Moses to tell Aaron, you're putting this, these garments on. You're wearing this, and you better wear it when you come into the Holy of Holies or you're going to die. Like, that's how serious it was. So now God's saying, I'm not threatening anybody, saying if you don't do this, you're going to die. That's not what I'm saying. But just want you to know that this is really what God is saying to you as a New Testament believer and a New Covenant believer this is what I want you to put on. And that word put on, uh, oh, Phil, you're going to help me out. I had it pulled up too. The Greek word, it, I'll get it. I don't want to hold it. It's, I even had it in my notes. It's like a, 
it's real short. And then you, and then you, and then you. Now I feel really bad for not having that because I, I had it on a slide and I took it off. Phil's going to get me every time. Yeah, that first word. It's like clothe yourself. Enduo. That's it. Enduo. Yeah. And its root meaning is literally it's the sense of sinking into a garment. Like you're slipping into a robe. It's, it's, that's exactly what it means. Thank you, Phil. So put on Enduo, your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. <laughs> what? Learn to know your creator and become like him. Isn't that the whole kind of purpose here? Be more like Jesus. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Listen. That's for you, Autumn. It doesn't matter if you are Jew Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, slave, free, Christ is all that matters. We're all in this together. We're all equal. Doesn't matter. None of that other stuff, we divide each other for all kinds of reasons, and none of that matters. Like, I just want to just meditate there for a minute. Since God chose you to be the holy people, point at yourself, say, that's me. That's me. I see like two people pointing. Come on, man. That's me. Now I see like eight. <laughs> Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Guess what that word is again? Same Greek word. Clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Read those again. Challenge, challenge yourself here. Clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. You know how they recognize Aaron by his garments? That's how the world should recognize you as a priest or priestess, right there. Mercy, kindness, goodness, humility, gentleness, patience. When people see those characteristics, that's when they know that something's real. There's something they don't have. There's something they wish they had. I need to know more about them because they're showing me kindness when I don't deserve it. They're showing me gentleness when I don't deserve it. They're being patient with me when I know I'd already lost my mind. When you start showing those characteristics, you have on the royal garments. That's how people recognize you. you might, you're going to stand out in a crowd because people are going to be like, you, you know, someone comes in or struggling, blah, blah, blah. You need to go talk to so-and-so. They're going to point them to you because the priest is supposed to handle the people's junk. Sorry to lay that on you, but that's part of what I said when you signed up. Hey, man, I'm blah, 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 blah. I'm so blah, blah. You know what? Call Bernie Hennigan. Bernie Hennigan's a priest, man. He can he can talk to you. He can talk to you. He can help you. 
call Casey Shockey. Man, Casey Shockey's humble, gentle. He'll, he'll talk to you. Call Don Ward, man. Don Ward, this kind, this gentlest guy, man. He, if you got issues, man, talk to him. Burden. And that's and I'm just trying to beat that home that that is our royal garments. It's nothing that you wear physically, it's nowhere you look physically, it's nothing to do with that. It's those things that God's saying to clothe yourself in. You're now the priest. That's what he's asking you to put on. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Oh, ouch. Remember, this one always just is a gut punch. The Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. Really, God? Oh, but they did this to me. And the Holy Spirit reminds you, yeah, but you did this to me. We forgave you. And that, I think, I mean, just being transparent, I think is the probably the number one thing that Christians, it kind of keeps us from really just exploding into purpose, is unforgiveness. We're holding on to things. And sometimes we don't even share it with others. We're really holding on to something. There's something deep down inside you're saying, man, I don't know, man, that person, this thing, that thing. And it's hard. I'm being, I mean, it's, I know, it's hard. It is not easy. It is challenging. There are things that really hurt. There are things that really are offensive. There are things that are just crushing. But you always, you always have to remind yourself that that's what I did to God. I've done that in my past to God. I've hurt him. I've crushed God. And God's willing to say, you know what? I still love you, son. Still gonna wipe you clean. I'm gonna let that stuff go. And that's what we need to do with others. You know, man, I know you really hurt me. I know what you said was wrong. I know what you did was wrong. But you know what? I'm gonna forgive you. And I've said that you talk about someone seeing you as a priest or priestess. And that's when it talks about in Romans, this isn't on the slide, but in Romans 12 it talks about when you, when you don't go after revenge and you let God's wrath take care of it, it's like sprinkling burning coals on their head. You're thinking, well, that sounds kind of crazy. But when you forgive, you're letting God take care of it. And what I think it, what I think it means is that that person who's totally wronged you, they know they're wrong. They're 100% know they're wrong. And you forgive them, that conviction that comes on them going like, forgive me because I was 100% wrong there. I think that conviction is so much worse than anything you could do for revenge. That conviction from the Holy Spirit going like, see, they forgave you after what you did, and they're going like, it's powerful. Forgiveness is a powerful tool. Next slide. Above Above all else, close yourselves with love. George, you said it, love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And that love there is agape love. I'm sure most of you know the 
the different loves in the Greek? That's agape love. That means the love that's choice. It's no feelings. It's a choice. You choose to love each other. You choose to sacrifice. You choose to forgive. You choose to walk in humility, gentleness, kindness. You're not always going to feel like it. But the word says to do it. Let the peace that comes from God rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. So good. In verse 15, after it talks about all the things the garments are supposed to do, that next verse, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. That's the grand result. When you're putting on those royal clothing and walking this out and doing the things that God's called you to do, that's what you get, the peace that comes from Christ. And that's just such a great gift when you have that peace. And that peace, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. That peace will make it all just Many of you, maybe there's just, you've never felt it or it's been so long since you felt it, you don't remember what it feels like. Whitney, you can keep going. Um, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your life, lives. The message about Christ, that's what we have and that's what we should share.